we're gonna bury it and then we're gonna have a wake uh wait what is the thing that you do after the funeral what is that called drinking Live from the Mundangerous Thieves Guild in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Yishin. And welcome to episode 338 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're ranking the 5e D&D Rogue subclasses. But first, the party fights for their lives in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, Bard Moon Rising sings while in wild shape in the Character Creation Forge. Yishin, I can't believe that you would... You would say that we're making a tier list that's a different thing Mm, we're rank we're ranking them because even within the tiers i think it will be it's different (laughs) all right well then we'll get to that in a second maybe you can explain exactly how we're going to do this but first apologies we are back to a weekly schedule but we did miss a week uh maybe you can hear from my voice my whole family got covid that's what's going on with us uh we're i mean we're out of it but it did you know put a dent in the recording schedule so there's that. Well, I'm glad you're all feeling better. Um, these are just the times we live in, I guess. Yes. Uh, from now until this forever. Is, this is just our lives now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It will never change. Uh, but hey, at least there's podcasts to get you through. In, indeed. All right. Where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? So the Gates of Morning campaign is our fifth edition d game set in Eberron. A sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in the Shadow Marches, at the Gate of Wind, the party is trying to stop the quarry from unleashing the chaos of Zoriath onto the material plane. In air elemental form, Warden the Druid rushes the Death Kiss, flinging it high into the air and forcing it to drop its captives, though both of them land hard on the ground. For now, Cien is the only one invoking the Cerulean sign. Warden reverts to human form and heals Zan, and Decimus blasts a slot. From the other side of the canyon, a giant purple worm tosses a mammoth, and it lands in the middle of the scrum, nearly crushing Ephraim and Warden. Though Lenore dodges nimbly out of the way. As usual. Getting to his feet, Zan curses the other slot. His next hit strikes a critical spot, and he channels a spell through his glaive, knocking the beast to the ground and nearly tearing it in half. He wrenches his glaive out of it, hits it again, channels again, and splits its skull in two. Warden, for his part, conjures a powerful lightning storm. The ground rumbles beneath them, and one of the tentacled worms bursts through the ground, swallows the remaining slot. Their joy is short-lived, though, when it turns its attention to the party. He grabs Warden and tosses him into its maw, but he manages to maintain concentration on his lightning storm. A psychic scream, the death throes of a powerful mind flayer that just died nearby, rips into all of their minds. Zan falls to his knees and then to the ground, blood leaking from his ears, and dies. But Decimus, somehow remembering knowledge that he cannot recall learning, teleports over to him and administers a revivification infusion, bringing him back to life. Weekly, Zan begins invoking the sign, and Lenore pincushions the death kiss, which falls to the ground with a splat. Inside the worm, Warden clings to life. Fumbling through his pack, he grabs the vial of cloud kill he collected from Korth and releases the spell, which billows into the creature's gullet and begins eating away at its organs. With his planar-infused blood, Warden is unharmed by the noxious fumes. He directs the lightning storm at the worm, which recoils from the energy. Not seeing where the attack is coming from, it grabs Decimus and swallows him too. Lenore whispers the command word to her bow and fires shot after shot into the worm's hide. She narrowly dodges an errant disintegration beam from a distant beholder, which gouges a deep cut into the rock beneath her. Zan continues to resolutely invoke the sign, and inside the worm, Warden and Decimus are being digested alive by its gastric juices. 
but the cloud kill and the lightning are both doing their work. Fitting that we're both immune to cloud kill. Yeah, it's helpful. <laughs> Worm swallows Sien, leaving only Zan invoking. Warden loses control of his storm, which dissipates. Frustrated and near death, he blights its internal organs. As it dies, it sprays acid on the remaining party members, then belches up the cloud kill and three gatekeepers. With the worm dead, the party finally completes the ritual, and the Biesk pool forms into a tall pillar of dark stone, interwoven with geometric lines of violet. The illusions on the canyon walls show the other gates quickly follow, and when the final ritual is complete, most of the aberrations are flung back into Zoria. Panting with exertion, Ephraim looks around at them. So, you got my letter? He asks with a smile. But Sien punches him with such force that he goes flying for several yards. Like fog, the semblance of Sien billows off her form, revealing Gersi, the mind seed instead. Her psionic halo blooms, and she leaps straight into the sky, disappearing into a patch of dream stuff. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. But this week, we're wrapping up 5th edition. <laughs> Forever? We're already deep. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, we're in the end game, okay? Like, we're already seeing 6th edition on, on the horizon, the uh, the amount of content that's actually adding to fifth edition has slowed quite a bit, uh, and frankly, I, I, it's long overdue that we've uh, you know we've done so many character creation forges where we allude to you know our favorites, some of the most powerful classes, things like that, but we've never really sat down and put them into an organized tier list. So that's what we're doing. I mean, we do always say always start Rogue One, no matter what character you're building uh i guess now though you have to go to rogue three yeah since we're starting with rogue s tier is rogue one and then everything else is a tier or below um but we'll just skip over that formality and rank the remaining you know subclasses of rogue all right so let's talk a little bit of terminology then so what is a tier list what is this s tier a tier etc etc uh, I don't know. It's an old video game thing, right? I think like the old uh, Japanese video games used S as the highest ranking. Uh, it's like an A plus. So, uh, in in for our purposes, right? Like S tier means you are uh, class defining. You're the measuring stick for everything else, um, and you're you know universally useful in a party. Right. There's there's never a group that's worse off by having that class. There's not a lot of S tier subclasses rogue happens to have one it's rogue one um you have a tier which tends to be you know really solid can't go wrong choices uh unique um to their class uh that, that brings something new and and interesting b tier that's your kind of your bread and butter tier right b tier very playable um you know no one is going to complain if you choose one of these subclasses you're going to enjoy it uh, it doesn't have any glaring weaknesses, but, you know, it also isn't necessarily on the uh, bleeding edge of the power curve. And then we get to the the lower tiers, right? Uh, I guess theoretically we could do a C, a D, an E, and an F, but for simplicity, we're going to skip some of that. C tier is bad, right? Like, this is, this is now underperforming. Uh, it has flaws. It has weaknesses. It's probably not worth considering unless there's something specific you need it for. Or, or it may be niche. Where like it works in a, it works well in a particular party group or a particular campaign for reasons. Then there's F tier, which is, man, you really should probably avoid, uh, avoid this class. Other than you know maybe the dips, right? Like this is probably multi class only, uh, and and probably not worth taking much past its its opening level. So then let's talk a bit about criteria first. Like what. What do we take into consideration when we're deciding what subclass is better than another subclass? Uh, in theory, this is rooted in something between power level and, uh, you know, like role playability and uniqueness and niche and, and like how it fits into the overall landscape of 5e. Uh, in practice, 
this is a Shane authored episode, which means the standard is ever changing, capricious, and arbitrary. And of course, I will disagree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so sometimes things just land where they land because I didn't like it or I don't see the I I, I just don't see it. And that's the other thing, too, right, is like the criteria within uh, a given class are, are not necessarily like universal, right? The S tier from Rogue might not be comparable to the S tier from, say, Fighter, right? Like they're, they're meant within the class, not to compare between classes, because everyone knows that Warlock and Wizard are the best. Well, and also 5e, like you cannot compare subclass from one class to subclass from another class because they're all balanced against the chassis of the class that they're built on and the chassis are different sizes in terms of what they include exactly um i think an, another consideration is sort of two sides of the like tabletop rpg coin one is does this make you better at the thing that this class does this is does this make you a better rogue at a table where the expectation is you're going to fulfill your job as a rogue, most likely? Uh, or does this shore up your weaknesses as a rogue and keep you from being uh, a handicap? I think both of those are, are useful. And you'll see some of these do both and some some do neither. So yeah, sometimes they just add stupid stuff to to now a, a bad chassis for it. Yeah. And I think before we like get into the into the specifics, one thing you can see from this is the rogue class specifically in fifth edition started off as a pretty good, pretty strong class in that a lot of the early subclasses are good for the most part. And what happens as you go further into an addition is like when you add new features, when you add new class features or whatever, and subclasses, feats, all those sorts of things, designers have to look for new design space because the first thing you try to do in an initial book, in like your main book that you know everyone is going to have, the PHB, you try to sort of like cover all the general bases. What what are the archetypes that you would expect from a rogue? And we got, you know, thief and assassin and arcane trickster. And those sort of covered the bases of like magic, sneakiness, killing, right? And then everything that came after that, for the most part, was more lore oriented, right? Like what, how does this rogue fit into the story as opposed to how does this rogue fit into a particular play style. And so in general, they tend to be more niche. And, you know, we can talk about Swashbuckler sort of being the 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 odd one out in, in terms of that, like, general pattern. Um, and you see, you see sort of the opposite with something like Ranger, which, you know, maybe we'll get to someday, I don't know, where like, it started off actually quite weak, right? They undertuned the Ranger. So just in general, the original Ranger subclasses are not very good. And so by comparison, the ones that came later tended to be stronger. Okay, shall we? Let's kick it off. What is your S tier? This should surprise nobody. It's Assassin and nothing else. That actually surprises me. Why? It's by far the most definitive like PHB class, and it is still the measuring stick for everything that Rogue does. Rogue's whole deal, like the whole subclass is give yourself some other way of generating sneak attack, right? Like that's that's what an entire subclass is. Or it's about enhancing your sneak attack in some way. Uh, Assassin just says, hey, I'm going to do sneak attack better and I'm going to do it before anyone else. And also I'm going to win fights in the first turn. Like it's a, it is, it just, I mean, it just can't be touched, right? And it's at level three, but it scales throughout because it's based on sneak attack damage. And it's just like, it's just so much better than everything else. I agree with you that Assassin really hits the nail on the head in terms of archetype. Like if you want out of the box to be able to like do the, I sneak around and backstab, right? Your old second edition stuff. And I murder you because I did five times damage. Yeah, Assassin is where it's at. What I don't like about Assassin is that it's so table-based about whether you can assassinate. But that part of that is based on the, the wonkiness of the surprise rules, which is the GM decides if there's if a creature is surprised. You know, you can't guarantee it. You really need to, like, work with your GM to be like, I have this ability. I want to use it as often as possible. I'm, let me know what I need to do to be able to do that, and I will do that. 
But if you have a tough GM, I mean, that, that's fair. And but it is also it has the kind of power like right, like critting on your first turn automatically is so strong that like, yes, as a, as a GM, you should not just never let your rogue do it. But like you have to plan encounters around it, right? Like it changes the way that you have to plan your game. That's just inc- uh, like an incredible amount of agency for a class. And I would say if you're a GM who has an assassin in the party, don't change your encounters. Just let them kill a thing. You know? Like, well, <laughs> maybe not boss fights. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they should have, they should be making saves and not, not be surprised, right? But like, yeah, just let them skim one creature off the top in in a combat and let the combat go faster you know <laughs> thank right. them for that um let me ask you this before we get into the other subclasses then in terms of ranking these subclasses how much weight are you putting at each level because every rogue subclass gets level three a main level three abilities some get some ribbon abilities level nine level 13 level 17 three i think we put the most weight on yeah of course like the 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 levels that you play the most are the early levels, right? So if you don't, if you aren't a front-loaded class, like you're always going to be weaker, and that's just the fact, right? Because the majority of play, it's not going to be as good, um, you know. But I don't take away, like I don't discount the need to scale level in order to get value out of early abilities, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, I'm if I'm waiting around for 17th level to unlock an ability. Like that ability is weak, right? Even if it's strong for 17th level, it's, it's weak for the class, but you know, something like the assassin, which, you know, damages scaling like on, on a multiplier every time you add sneak attack dice, right? Like that just means that like it continues right throughout from level one to level 20. That's strong. That's good, right? You want your later abilities to feel in power, or in line with the power that you're that you have at that level. And and I think Assassin does that correctly. So, you know, like I discount Death Strike, the level 17 ability, right? Like, yes, you might be able to double your attack on a you know failed constitution save or whatever, but like I'm not waiting around for level 17. But that's not why Assassin is good. Right. I mean it's it's more like it's 10% of your grade or whatever, right? And it's mostly compared to the other level 17 abilities of subclasses, but you very easily can see what subclass is better than another without having to compare level 17 abilities. And then level 13, in general, these are ribbon or RP abilities. So sometimes you'll get a few extra points if like you have something mechanical in there. Um, you can compare the level nines, but if you have one subclass where that has a strong level three and another that has a strong level nine, the level three wins because you get six more levels where you're playing with it. And probably even more than that, because you have a bunch of characters that are never going to get to level nine in rogue that still gets used the level three ability. Yeah. I mean, for, for rogue, like it really does come down to like, is your level three good? And is your level nine useful? Right, because thirteen and seventeen are the other the other uh, uh, subclass abilities, and like they're they're just too far away, right? Like it's it's not like you have a new ability coming from your subclass every three levels, and we should you know where you can have a reasonable question of whether you know level three or level six or level eight are the right cutoffs, right? Like, there's no reasonable debate to be had here, right? It's it's 3, 9, 13, 17. Like, it's a backloaded subclass, which means the level three ability is what wins the day. I think for the most part. Um, so before we get into A tier, we don't need to discuss these now because we will get to them. We're, like, we will discuss every, every subclass and we'll get to the pros and cons of them. My S tier is Thief and Swashbuckler. But like I said, we'll 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 get to those. We'll we'll get to yeah, we'll get to Swashbuckler right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Swashbuckler leads off the A tier for me. Um, It's very good, and and for all I mean, honestly, for all the reasons uh, except that when I'm measuring subclasses, I don't measure against Swashbuckler. I measure against Assassin. So that's that's what kept Swashbuckler out of the A tier because like. 
and the swashbuckler's whole deal right like its special thing is uh it, it enables two weapon fighting by always having sneak attack it just it doesn't have it gets sneak attack for free right because you you either get sneak attack from having an adjacent ally or swashbuckler just gives you sneak attack when you're alone against a target um so like there's there's you know only niche geometry where you would not meet one of those two cases right on a 5e grid right so it's good <laughs> like it's really good and i've played it and i like it like but to me it just isn't quite s tier i think that's that's valid i actually i actually measure rogues against thief but you know we'll get to that swashbuckler and, and i sort of alluded to this earlier you know as you go along with new subclasses that are released they get more niche except for swashbuckler I think mm -hmm. it was I think it was the next one that came out and it it is an archetype you know that I think people saw there was a sort of a glaring hole in the three that were released and you know you can't you can't cover every single thing right like I think they did a, a pretty good job of trying to cover the bases with the initial three but swashbuckler enabled a new play style right and not even a new play style enabled a play style that has always existed for rogue but that you weren't really able to do out of the box in fifth edition you had to like figure out some workarounds do a lot of like hide shenanigans things like that and this lets you play the like the swashbuckler the pirate who like runs up and stabs people you know well runs up stabs people and then runs stabs away, yeah. people with their other sword and then backs away 15 feet so they don't get reprisal <laughs> <laughs> and does it well yeah. like does it effectively i i mean i also love swashbuckler because it has some excellently named abilities right like mm -hmm. fancy footwork is the ability to not provoke opportunity attacks uh rakish audacity is just your i get sneak attack regardless right like it's just like yeah i'm just i'm a rake and a rast about what do you expect of course i cheap shot you <laughs> the other thing that i like about swashbuckler and i'm i'm trying to think yeah I think Thief has strong abilities throughout, and that's one of the reasons that I, I really like it. We'll talk about that later. Assassin, like the the level three ability is very strong and that carries it, and, and I put Assassin at this tier. So, you know, up at the very top. Um, but there are some abilities in Assassin that are like, eh, take him or leave him. Swashbuckler is the other one of like the early subclasses where I look at the abilities at every level and they're all great. You know, they're all mm. useful. None of the, mm. <laughs> well which one do you not like master duelist is useless once per short rest you can you can re-roll an attack like who cares but with advantage it allows you to get it allows you to get sneak attack when you didn't have it before right Wait, you but, already had sneak attack you're you're like what's the situation where you don't have an ally adjacent don't already have advantage or aren't the only thing next ah, but to the here's target? the thing it can like, it can also negate disadvantage Right, because it'll give you advantage and then they'll cancel out. Right. And but you don't need advantage in order to get your sneak attack. So in an instance when you would have disadvantage, you can now get your sneak attack. Look at the other things. Panache is both good in combat and out of combat. Right. It has so many uses. An elegant maneuver, it 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 lets you do more of the swashbucklery stuff. I think, you know, if I'm if I'm building a swashbuckler i'm not necessarily building around elegant maneuver and getting advantage on like you know acrobatics or athletics but when you want to use it it's cheap to use and it's useful mm -hmm. and it isn't it isn't the thing that i dislike about we'll get to it mastermind and even some of the abilities in assassin where it's like i should be able to do these ribbon abilities no matter what i shouldn't have an ability that tells me i can do these things and now nobody can do them that's fair uh which is you know the part of what makes the assassin's fake identities so strong is that it precludes everyone else from doing them <laughs> right <laughs> um but you know that's just that's just rpg design problems uh all right should we keep it moving yeah what's the wait what's the rest of the eight here uh scout um i love scout scout so scout is another one where it's just a super thematic martial focused you know the warrior rogue um and it's the one that you know you you expect if you're the outdoorsman rogue with a bow like this is the subclass for you right yeah i am um, i also have scout at this tier uh we talked about it before it's a better ranger than the ranger for the most part 
you know? Mm-hmm. And and for me, this really falls into, you know, shoring up your weaknesses as a rogue. Because like the archetypal rogue is I'm in a city, I'm in, you know, the sewers or alleys or whatever. And as soon as I go outside, like my panache doesn't work on wolves, right? Like what am I supposed to do while I'm like in the woods? Scout answers yeah. those questions, but these abilities are still useful if you're in the city. They're just combat useful. This is where I put thief, but I put thief at the top of B tier, which is to say it's the bread and butter rogue. Like it is like, this is where we go. Hey, no one's going to complain that there's a thief in the party, right? Like good choice, core choice even. Yeah. I mean, you're Tez is a thief, right? Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. And I, I love it. I, I constantly find silly things to do with fast hands. Uh, and second story work is more useful than you think. Absolutely. More useful than, than you think. And I think fast hands is more useful than most people remember. Like most people are like, okay, I can drink potions as a bonus action. Yeah, true. Absolutely. Extremely useful. Um, I forgot that with your cunning action, you can make a, a sleight of hand check. Any sleight of hand check, right? Like that's true. a that's a bonus action while gambling at a table. That's a bonus action pickpocketing somebody in combat, right? And you can also disarm a trap or open a lock with your thieves tools as a bonus action. Like these are yep. universally useful. Yeah. The the problem with Thief is that Assassin exists. And like these are core, universally useful, very like iconic abilities. But like just the very next class or the, the class right before it in the book just smashes it when it comes to damage. And that just feels bad. Like it feels like you're giving up that potential so viscerally when you choose thief over assassin and that's what knocked it down to b tier for me part of that is probably because we were playing uh in the very beginning of 5e when this was all we had was a choice between thief and assassin and it was very hard to justify thief that's interesting i i definitely felt that way at the beginning of 5e and now that i've like sat with assassin and sat with thief for longer they flipped for me well that's fair I mean, I like. I think the nice thing about Rogue actually is that like the di- the distinction between S A and even B tier are incremental, right? Like, there's a lot of good stuff in Rogue. Uh, we'll someday get to other classes that don't have that. <laughs> okay, so with this tier, I think we agree on the rest of it. I have Phantom and Soul Knife both sort of sitting comfortably here in the middle of the pack. Yeah, and I don't have a strong uh, preference between Phantom and Soul Knife. I kind of think Phantom is a little cooler, but I'm also like Soul Knife is the psionic, uh, Phantom is the like sort of like death obsessed mm-hmm. uh, rogue, and and gets the soul trinket right. Right. I think I think the soul trinket's a little bit like cheesy, um, but it also comes later. Um, you know, the the other thing that Phantom gets to do is it gets to like hit a second target with half of its sneak attack damage for free and it's necrotic which is great um you know soul knife gets to you know empower its attacks uh with like new <laughs> new trackables um i right. guess yeah you get you get psionic dice and and you know it has useful abilities it's like you can you can do some teleportation right it shores up a lot of the things that rogues are not usually able to do you get um telepathy you know right yeah, which like so so either one you know pick your choice. I I don't think either of them are as strong from a combat perspective as they look on paper. Um, it it really does end up being very incremental extra damage. You know, Phantom, it's great to add fifty percent of your sneak attack damage every every round, but you're doing it to a different target. So like you're you're the single target class, not until level seventeen when you can start. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think both Phantom and Soul Knife for me like I I like the execution. Honestly, I think they're fun subclasses. They just both sort of like leave some things on the table mechanically that don't really net out. Like I think Phantom has really strong 13, but the three is so-so. I think the the 13 is extremely strong. You you take these trinkets and now you start like ghost walking essentially. And Soul Knife Knife is is tough for me. I really want to like it more, but there's no way to like upgrade your weapons and anytime a subclass gives you a weapon it means that you're leaving magic items on the table 
and like there's no there's no way to get like a plus two or plus three to attack and damage on your soul knife so ugh. both playable but you know kind of solidly b tier in fact you know now that we've talked through it i guess i would probably be comfortable bumping thief up to a tier right i do think thief is is like kind of a cut above these two um it just just in the sense that like thief does something that nobody else does namely it drinks potions on a bonus action <laughs> um and then i put uh instead of since i have thief higher i have inquisitive up here ah okay well that's interesting like let's let's talk about inquisitive so yeah. you had it in b tier mm-hmm. i had it in c tier and it's the only thing you've got in c tier uh, yeah and i i suspect you put it in b because it is the inquisitive has a unique ability and if you are looking for the you know the 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 rogue journalist uh or the the, the, the private eye right exactly right the the inquisitive is the only real way to do that and that's probably why you put it in b tier and i i thought you're right but it's still not great and i'd still rather just play a different type of rogue and just say i'm that <laughs> and so that's where i landed in c would i rather take it to take inquisitive to three get what i need there and then multi-class into something else prob that's probably how i would build the character you know i, I probably am not going to go that far with it classic c tier <laughs> <laughs> um but you're right it does have some things going for it in that there's another way to get sneak attack i hate this way to get sneak attack because it's another die roll sometimes every freaking round and it just slows things down more yeah uh, so insightful fighting is like you know you use your bonus action so it's not even giving you action economy here you know it's the same as just making a hide um but it gives you a deception check against a uh, uh or sorry you make an insight check against their deception right so you don't have to target their uh, senses you can target their um you know their uh ability to lie which which, which let's be sure. clear is not a gimme right especially at like Correct. low to mid levels there are a lot of enemies who are going to have good deception well but hopefully they don't have good perception and or you know blind sight and things like that and good deception right like that number of 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 enemies is lower but yeah i mean you're still it, it just doesn't there's still, yeah, there's still a chance for the failure, scale right? that you want. Like swashbuckler yeah. is like, I I do the right very simple math and move to the right square and I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's very like, or, you know, like I can't tell you how many times the swashbuckler, like I stab the one thing so that it can't attack me for the attack of opportunity. And then I sneak attack the thing I care about. You know, it's just like, yeah it just gives you more also like there's just weird stuff in inquisitive like um like it it has like instead of just having reliable talent for uh for insight you get like baby reliable talent like it's it's, it counts as an eight instead of a 10 like who cares (laughs) like it's it's insight who cares well you're probably here for insight right but then that is also another reason why you don't go too far in it because if you go all the way to 11 then your ear for deceit stops working because you get a better a better thing right so it's like it's it's a gimme to tide you over but but then it's not like you get a thing to replace it once you become an 11th level rogue right so you're just at a net negative to most other classes right um and then like nothing ever makes it up on the back end right like even like the level 17 eye for weakness you gain 3d6 damage against your insightful fighting target but that's just bad. This is really bad. No, I agree. Three D six is yeah, very low. It's uh ten point five damage. <laughs> yeah, um, you, exactly. You can At level seventeen to, to drop this to to see. So my B tier is now just Soul Knife and Phantom. I have uh, Arcane Trickster at C tier, but let's talk about that. <laughs> Right. Okay. So let's talk about that next because I had that I had that at the front of F tier. So, you know, like convince me that it is an absolute garbage without using Mage Hand Ledger Domain shenanigans. I mean, I think Mage Hand Ledger Domain is good, right? You can disarm traps from 30 feet away and you can do that at third level. And that's that's when it's going to matter, right? Like when a trap can actually kill you. Spells are spells, you're definitely going to pick shield, you know. Uh you get so few spells. I think 
maybe people who are listening to this would be surprised that we put Arcane Trickster so low, right? You put it at bottom, bottom of the barrel. I put it slightly above there because it does have spells, but like one third casters are basically not casters. It probably is just better for you to multi-class and just like take the sneak attack damage hit. It's fine. That's the thing is, you know, you can give up 1d6 sneak attack damage for one level in a full caster and that's the same, like, that covers you until literally level 7. Do you finally get better than a level 1 caster? You may not even give it's, up any sneak attack damage depending on, like, what level rogue you are, you know? Right. It's awful. It's awful to be a one-third caster. Like, you might as well not be a caster, to be honest. I mean, take, like, I, take, I, take I just, a feat. <laughs> those right. spells. Exactly. <laughs> It just, it's, it's so bad. Like, I, I honestly like, and like, I know that, I know that Arcane Trickster has a special place in your heart because Mage Head Ledger Domain has enabled a few character creation forge builds, right? Things that you couldn't otherwise do. Like, again, and, shenanigans, and that, that right? for me is, a, is the saving grace. It is a thing that you can't get elsewhere. Fine. Uh, that's not although although me. you're going to bring that up in mastermind. So interesting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, which I also dumpstered. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's um, my F tier. You know, and, and then the, you know the other thing is like <sighs> spell thief, right? Very very cool ability. Super cool. Uh, Mostly like, useless. If it were. If it were a level three ability, I'd be interested, right? Okay, so I don't have many spells per day. I don't know many spells, but if I see cool spells, I can steal them. Yeah, all right. Okay. Like, I, you've, you've made me interested in this class. Level 17, absolutely no interest. This is terrible. I'm never going to get to this, and I'm never going to get to use it, and also I can use it once per long rest. Right, it doesn't even have that like spend a resource to be able to do it after the first time thing that later subclasses get, right? And it's also, you can tell that it's in the first book because if you read through it and sit with it or you play with it, it becomes more apparent that it's even worse than it originally looks. It is super cool. Like I I love the idea of it and, you know, old school players will remember this spell thief stuff. You know, it was a, it was a whole class, right? Um, but first, they've got to fail the save, right? Um, it makes Which the is save... your spell save, yeah, DC. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yours is based on intelligence. And it's is its spellcasting ability. It's spellcasting ability, yeah. So, it's, like, you're already at, like, a 25% disadvantage by the time this thing right. happens. Right, and as, <laughs> as a rogue, how are you increasing your spell DC? You are not, okay? So, yeah. Now you can be like, oh, let's see, actually does magical, no, magical ambush doesn't even affect this, right? So the other thing is <laughs> the monster manuals have moved in the direction of not having uh, antagonists cast spells. They have abilities right. that mimic spells. That mimic spells. Right, but mechanically <laughs> you can't use this on those, even though, exactly. yes, it is fireballing you, but it's using fire blasts. A, an yep. ability, not the spell fireball. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the monster manual was rife with spell lists on monster stat blocks, and we just don't see that nearly as much anymore. So, good point. Um, I suppose the argument, uh, if I were if I were going to try to make some some redeeming argument that wasn't based on Mei-Chan Ledger Domain, it's Magical Ambush, right? It's not easy to throw disadvantage on saving throws, and just being able to do that by being hidden at ninth level is actually really good. The problem is that, well, you're either a ninth level rogue X level actual caster, uh, which means you're not throwing anything that anybody cares about, or you're a ninth level rogue straight up and you're casting uh, level two spells. Yeah. yeah level mm -hmm. two spells. Right. And so you, you need them to have disadvantage to have a chance of them failing to have a chance because your spellcasting ability is intelligence. Exactly. So instead of this being like an enabler, right, or like an ability that is going to like really turn the corner, all it is is shoring up a glaring weakness for this bad subclass. 
like it is a necessary power fix uh, on an already very, very weak frame. So I just, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I, I cannot abide your C tier arcade trickster. I'm sorry. I think you're wrong on this one. <laughs> I still can't put it in the same tier as mastermind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I know you think the level three, like, well, I guess not salvages it, right? It's, it's the worst thing in any of these books. It's still the worst thing in the book. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's All good right. enough that Arcade Trickster belongs with it. So, <laughs> so let's talk. Mastermind, only good enough to bring down the Arcane Trickster. God. So let's talk about Mastermind then. Um, it's both of, it's the, the bottom of our list for, for both of us. The one saving grace mm -hmm. is that it does a thing that nothing else in the game does, which lets you use help as a bonus action and if that help is helping an ally attack a creature, you can do that at 30, 30 foot distance rather than five. Yes. That's it. Um, that's the whole class. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, we talked about this before. When this first dip. came out, there are actually some abilities in here that are detrimental to your party. <laughs> like misdirection is... is <laughs> I just can't yeah. imagine you being able to use it without throwing a party member in the way of the attack. I know. Like, that's... It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> like, in theory, right? Like, so so misdirection is the one where, you know, if, you're, if you've got an ally next to you and you're targeted by an attack, you can use a reaction and instead they attack your ally. And the, the reasoning here, right? Like, the thematic thing here is that you have the bodyguard who takes the hit for you because you're the mastermind or whatever. Um, and, and in theory, right, like, you have somebody with a higher AC who's not going to... Um, you know, be is or has a bigger hit point pool or whatever, you know, somebody like you have a tank, right? Um, and so you want to force attacks onto the tank, not onto your squishy rogue. The problem is that tanks in fifth edition um, also happen to do more damage than you as a squishy <laughs> rogue who, who can't really generate sneak attack very effectively and only helps the party do more useful things. There, there's not a better enabler for rogues than the mastermind. <laughs> you can just take the help action to help your buddy unfortunately like <laughs> that's supposed to be you like you're supposed to be the one doing the damage also you shouldn't be using your bonus action on the help action right you have so many things to use your bonus action for uh, but just misdirection for a second okay like i think i think when this was written the idea was Oh, you like you do the bugbear thing. You like grab an enemy and like throw them in the way, or you dodge and it hits them or whatever. But in order for this to work, the creature because it can be any creature, it doesn't have to be an ally that you you throw in the way. The creature has to be granting you cover. When are you getting attacked ever where an enemy is granting you cover? That just doesn't happen. I this mean, is only this is I only would... going to happen like when you have an ally granting you cover. <laughs> And it's actually probably yeah. never going to come up because who who even like <laughs> checks for cover? I've it has happened so rarely uh, that I'm not even sure if hostile creatures can grant cover. Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I'm not even going to check on that because no matter what, it's a, it's a terrible ability. And then of course, once you start looking at you know, level nine insightful manipulator and compare that to, you know, panache, right? Like it's just, it's just, it's hot garbage across the board. Which is a shame because I like the idea of mastermind. I have put it in a lot of character creation forge builds, although I think it rarely goes past three, but all often that's to get two languages, disguise kit, forgery kit, gaming set, and unerringly mimic speech patterns and accent of a creature that you hear in, hear speak for one minute you know but that's that's a ribbon ability you know that's like i have a gm who hates me i need this written down so that i can definitely do it yeah yep um okay so i don't we don't need to waste any more breath on mastermind uh i i think we have agreed that assassin and swashbuckler are at the top uh in in some fashion um we put Scout up there as well. I think we both put Thief now in the A tier. Um, our B tier was 
uh, Phantom and Soul Knife. C tier was Inquisitive. Did I did I talk you out of Arcane Trickster and C tier? No, I th- yeah maybe it is dumped down because like as we're talking, I reread again. I mean, like I read through all of them before we did this, but like I reread. Um, where is it? Versatile Trickster, which like sounds great as a bonus action you can give yourself advantage on attack rolls against a creature next to your mage hand but creatures aren't going to stay near your mage hand and you have to use actions to move your mage hand you know what I mean? so it's, it'll work like once and then it'll never work again. you know it's it's again one of those things where oh we wrote it the first week of 5e and you know it didn't get play tested enough and it sounds good on paper but actually it's garbage in practice if you follow the rules mm-hmm. yeah great so, so then our F tier is Arcane Tick, Trickster and Mastermind. Yeah. We have achieved near consensus. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I think there are swashbuckler and assassin disagreement is very, uh, you know, reasonable people can disagree on that. I mean, um, I still have, I still have Thief up there, but that, that is really more of a play style thing ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, that is the tier list. Uh, let us know what you thought. Pretty definitive. Um, let us know why we're wrong. We're not, but you know, let us know which of us you agree with and please do not waste our time trying to justify mastermind. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I can't, I've already spent more time on this than I should have. It will continue to show up in forges though. (laughs) Of course. I mean, why wouldn't it? (laughs) It's only bad for tier list, not for Forge. Look, some, um, some of, rogue is better than no rogue. And for the first two levels, Mastermind is no worse than any other rogue. Exactly. Mastermind starts Rogue One, just like all rogues. All right, speaking of the Forge, do you hear that, Ishan? Is that perhaps the, the death knell of the Mastermind? Can we bury it? Put it to rest? <laughs> well, we're going to bury it, and then we're going to have a wake... Uh, Wait, what is the thing that you do after the funeral? What is that called? Uh, Drinking. Okay, well, we're going to do that in the Character Creation Forge. Mm. But before we do, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice, minus meat. And you can tweet at the show, at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, uh, we are building a, a pun, I believe. So That's that, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is Bard yeah. Moon Rising. Shane, what is Bard Moon Rising? Well, I'll tell you what it's not, which is what you pitched it as is the lead-in. It does not sing in Wild Shape, I suppose, unless you, you know, become a whale. Um, you know, maybe you could do a, a humpback whale song. But, um, so it is Moon Druid something. <laughs> whatever and, you want. Yeah, whatever you want. That's the scaling number, obviously. And More then than Creation one. Bard. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'll be the College of Creation Bard. Uh, either level three or level six. So, I mean, you know, like the thing with Moon Druid, of course, is that like because the CR of your wild shape, its whole deal is getting huge buffs to its wild shape. And because the CR scales on your Druid level, like you're very incentivized to stay mono Moon Druid, right? Um, but there are things that you can't do in wild shape and sometimes it's fun to be able to do things. So creation bard, uh, allows you to do bardic inspiration in fun and supercharged ways. Uh, and all of it still works while you're in wild shape. Yeah. While you're a hidden sparrow. Exactly. (laughs) You're a moon druid. So, you know, a bear or a dinosaur. I mean, you know, you should be a dinosaur most of the time. Uh, but yeah, so Creation Bard gets, uh, you know, three things that we kind of care about. One is motive potential, uh, which is, again, like whenever your inspiration dice are used, they get a nice little added benefit, right? So when you use it on an attack, you get advantage or whatever. Um, the other is performance of creation. So you can uh, use an action and create a non-magical item worth 20 times your Bard level. Uh, it's 
temporary, right? It disappears if you use it again and blah, 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 blah. But like that gives you a ton of versatility for the, you know, a Druid class, which can be a little one note sometimes. Um, any non-magical item is a weapon, is, you know, a piece of gear that you need. But it's also like very specific items, right? Like you can make an intricate key perfectly tuned to the lock that you're trying to open with your non-magical item ability. So this is 20 gold times your bard level? Your bard level, yeah, is the maximum value. Okay, so it's at least three. So 60 gold, right? Like that is the vast majority of non-armor things in the PHB that you can make as an actor. Like, so you're an animal who can, you know, pad up to, you know, the village smith and just be like, hey, yo, I, ma I magic you some <laughs> Correct. stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm a magic dog. Yep. I am the magic dog of, of lore, the like padded out of the forest and like, you know, piles of gold showed up in front of you. You can use that to create your non-magical barding. Ooh. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Armor for me. Not for thee. <laughs> um, and then if you want to take it to six, obviously, you know, you get some some nice benefits uh, getting six levels of, um, of bard, you know, uh, expertise and um, uh, an improvement to your uh, inspiration dice. But... What you get that's fun is animating performance. You can create a dancing item, uh, which actually does a decent amount of force damage because uh, it scales on proficiency bonus, which is awesome, um, that you can command with a bonus action. Uh, and it works in beast form because the command part is the actions stat block, not your stat block, um, allowing you to you know have a, uh, a, a companion or... If, say, you made your magical or your non-magical barding, your dancing item, you could have, you know, dancing animal armor, I say. Mm. Mm. Less uh, fun. Or, you know, sword. I mean, sure, yeah, you can have a dancing sword, fine, be cliche. Mm. Conveniently, it flies, so it can, you know, when you get your flying forms, it still works. <laughs> <laughs> it just floats around my head. I'm the the bear of legend that came out of the forest, <laughs> yeah. made a sixty gold ingot for the blacksmith, and has you know floating sword <laughs> circling my head slowly. Yeah, well, strange bears handing out swords from the forest. No way to run a government. Can't be worse than what we've got. Um, okay, well, this pun was an absolute abject failure. So let's wrap up. And before we do that, we'll take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about playing plant creatures. And in the character creation forge? We're building Groot. Well, that's it for episode 338 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.